and welcome to Feed and Flourish, the bite-sized podcast series from the Closters Forum with me, Hannah McInnes. In this series, I'll be talking to experts about biodiversity and about ways in which we can transform our food systems in order to positively preserve our planet. The Closters Forum brings together thought leaders and decision makers in the Swiss Alps to inspire discussions and cultivate collaborations around some of the world's most pressing environmental challenges. I'm Tristram Stewart. I'm an environmental campaigner, the author of two books on food and the environment, the founder of the charity Feedback, and more recently, the company Toast Ale. And I think I'm right in saying your life mission, or at least for the last couple of decades, has been all about reducing food waste. But what is it about this issue that keeps you awake at night? Well, my mission is to be part of the global emergence of the movement that is going to preserve life on Earth as we know it. And food waste has been one of the strategic focal points for me because the food system is and has been for a long time by far the biggest negative impact that humans have on planet Earth. It is by far the biggest cause of deforestation, species extinction. It's the single biggest source of carbon dioxide emissions. It's by far the biggest user of fresh water. The list goes on. And at the same time, we waste nearly a third of all of that food that we're producing. There are two reasons, therefore, why food waste is a strategically important target. Number one, because we really can reduce our environmental impact at the same time as increasing food availability for some of those nearly one billion people who are undernourished on planet Earth. And then on top of that, and for me, perhaps even more important, is the fact that food waste is one of the principal ways in which we can demonstrate the hypocrisy that lies at the heart of the dominant paradigm in the food system today. That dominant paradigm is what I call the productionist paradigm, the idea that we need to massively boost global food production, that we need to double it, depending on who you're listening to. That claim is, in my view, not just wrong, it is, in fact, the single biggest threat to long-term global food security on Earth. And food waste is a great way of proving that point. Why are they saying that when it's just demonstrably not true and it takes you to say that's not the case? One of the things that you can see very clearly uh, in the modern food system is that it is led by corporations. And those corporations have one principle overriding goal and that is to generate the maximum financial return for their shareholders and owners. That doesn't mean they don't also have subsidiary goals, such as nourishing the human population on Earth, but it is their overriding goal. And clearly, if they double food production and double production and sales, they will also increase the profitability and the returns that they can deliver to their shareholders. It is principally for this reason that we have a food system that, for example, will have a legal framework that indeed uh, that allows, if not encourages, uh, the production and massive sale of a drink like a Coca-Cola, which has more or less no role in nourishing the human population. It is known to contain more sugar than is healthy to consume in a day for children. It contains a semi-addictive drug, caffeine, and we market that, we allow that product to be marketed to children who see it 
in bright colors in every retail uh, grocery store in the world, pretty much. And that's a very clear indication that the food system is not being set up primarily to food, feed people. It's set up primarily to, to generate profit for the, for the corporations. There's nothing intrinsically wrong with profit, but we do have a framework that allows that to be pursued as a goal um, and to leave sustainable use of the world's resources or life on earth and human health as a secondary consideration. Obviously, corporations are highly responsible. If we start with them, how can we change that? In the years that you've been campaigning and researching and making this your top priority, have you seen any positive changes? Are they listening? Are they aware of the damage they're causing? I think there are three um, tiers to to this uh, this question. Uh, in a nutshell... Yes, uh, absolutely. The world has changed more than I could possibly have imagined, uh, even before this recent crisis, uh, in terms of getting corporations and generally the public to listen to uh, to Earth, listen to the fact that there is this massive ecological crisis. I have been campaigning on the environment since I was a young child, and now it is top of the agenda. Food waste, in particular, the the kind of uh, issue that I've helped push from being a completely non-issue neglected subject uh, to one of the global priorities. We have a sustainable development goal endorsed by the United Nations uh, and all the countries that have signed up uh, to the SDGs to halve food waste by 2030. It is more or less impossible now to be a big food corporation without having some form of strategy to tackle food waste. I sit down annually with um, the CEOs of some of the biggest food corporations, Tesco, Unilever, the World Bank, even, um, and, uh, and 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 to talk about nothing but food waste as part of the the SDG global goal. We're all champions of the the goal to tackle food waste, and you know this this is really very very different from the situation when I start camp- started campaigning when the big corporations denied there was a problem, were literally sweeping it under the carpet. Um, that's no longer an option for them. So yes, there has been enormous change, and that's come about for a range of different reasons, including motivated, dedicated, and really um, you know, honourable individuals within those corporations. It's not the case that they just relentlessly pursue profit and leave everything else aside. It's just that it's very difficult for those organisations to become primarily planet-preserving when their business models will induce them and will encourage them to exploit unsustainably resources uh, uh, and to depend on the extraction of value from nature. But uh, I I see these three tiers. Uh, The first is that through public campaigning, awareness raising, we change public behavior. So, you know, if you look at my country, the United Kingdom, we have achieved a reduction of nearly one third of per capita food waste. That is, it's not enough. But if you look for mass behavior change trends in favor of the environment, it's very difficult to find any mass behavior change uh, campaign that has been as successful as the campaign against food waste in the United Kingdom. People throw away less food per capita than they used to. And they do that for a host of reasons. And one of them is that 
they have been sensitized to it as a, a moral, environmental, ecological issue and have changed their behavior accordingly. So that is really, really very significant. At the same time, the second tier is we have pressurized big companies to change their behavior. One of the ways in which we've done that is through massive public campaigning about the outrage of the scale of waste that they were previously indulging in. And that has both woken people up within those corporations, but also given them a very clear incentive. If you don't do something about this, you will have your brand damaged. And that reputational hazard has motivated even people who don't particularly care about it to take notice. So that's two tiers, public behavior and lobbying or campaigning for corporations to change their policy and practice. And both of those have been hugely successful. And the third tier, of course, is regulatory legislation. And we have seen an increasingly ambitious raft of laws being passed by nation states across the world to tackle food waste specifically. France is the most famous, but in fact, the United Kingdom has one of the most robust laws that have tackled food waste, and that's a Groceries Code Adjudicator Act passed in 2013. And these these laws really changed the game. What I would say is that all of these measures so far have been relative to the scale of the problem piecemeal. Um, We need something much greater, much bigger, and much more ambitious if we are to stave off the mass species extinction event that we are in the middle of right now and the food system's role in perpetuating that. Much more audacious, internationally binding regulations that protect the environment from the extractive industrial food system. I'm talking about an international moratorium on the deforestation of virgin forests as a starting point. This has to stop. Until we have that kind of regulatory framework internationally, most of these other efforts will be piecemeal. Of course, when you're looking at food waste, we're talking and thinking first, perhaps, of big corporations. But how much happens in the home? How much can we be responsible for as individuals while we're waiting for this grand scale change to happen? People often feel very helpless, but can individuals make a real change? Absolutely. Individuals are a critical part in this, and we can all play a role. This is one of the motivating factors of food waste as a major environmental issue something that we can all do something about, something we interact with every single day, every time we eat and every time we shop, we interact with the interface of how much food we're going to waste. And we can all and should all do our level best to buy only what we need and ensure that we eat everything that we buy. And there are lots of reasons why we would do this. Obviously, saving money is a nice um, additional uh, motivation But beyond that, there is an ethical dimension. If I buy more food than I need and I throw it into the bin, I have taken that food off the market shelf, both the literal market shelf, but also the figurative figurative market shelf of the global food system. And I have deprived somebody else of access to that food to feed their children. When we buy bread in the United Kingdom, we contribute to global demand for wheat. There is a strain on global wheat demands that leaves people in Pakistan and South Asia and Africa, who depend on that very same international marketplace for wheat to feed their children. And we are out competing them when we buy bread and then throw it into the bin. So there's an ethical dimension to it. And of course, there is an environmental one. 
That is an unnecessary contribution to the net total demand for food products, which is the main driver for extending the agricultural frontier further and further into the world's remaining forests. We interact with that in a very real way when we buy food and we don't eat it. We are basically paying companies to chop down the Amazon rainforest to grow food, which we then throw into the bin. I believe that we individuals have a moral obligation, a responsibility to reduce that problem as far as we possibly can in the same way that we have a moral obligation not to mug a grandmother and steal her wallet. However, that is concurrent with the simultaneous recognition that not mugging a grandmother, individually taking that choice, will not by itself achieve world peace. Me not throwing away food will not by itself create a sustainable food system. I still should do it for all sorts of different reasons, but I cannot rely on it to create the kind of system change that we need to protect planet Earth. For that, we need enforced regulation. We are living in obviously extraordinary times at the moment. And I hope when people are listening to this podcast, we will be long out of isolation and starting at least to live and shop as normal. But do you think there are positive things to take away from this in terms of the way habits are starting to change? For people who are lucky enough, this is perhaps one of the first times in their life they're having to really think about their shopping very carefully, looking in the back of the cupboard, working out how they can make the most of the ingredients they have and learning that they can't have what they want from the shops when they want it. Are there positive behavioural habits that you hope people will take away from this time? I think we're going to see extremes of both. We saw panic buying and I'm sure that a lot of that food ended up in people's larders going mouldy and that's a that's a really bad sign of how we react to a crisis. At the same time, I have seen so much chatter about how people are kind of digging up old recipes to use up leftovers and make the most precisely because they're seeing food through a new lens, not as an infinitely disposable, affordable product, but something truly precious, which of course is what it is. Um, I've seen companies responding uh, really positively. We, we've seen how Olio has massively increased the amount of food that individuals are donating uh, from their own homes to other people's. Uh, my own company, Toast Ale, has um, directed all of the margin that we create through our online sales towards emergency feeding programs that are feeding some of those uh, most vulnerable people in this time of crisis. And lots of other companies are doing really great things in this space. At the same time, as a grower of vegetables, I have seen such a surge in demand for vegetable seeds. If you go right now onto the websites of the major vegetable garden seed providers, they're all in some form of total... Uh, wipeout. They they just can't handle the amount of demand. They're shutting down their websites. They're shutting down, um, you know, any ability to order more more seeds. And this indicates that people are well. They're responding to that panic buying. They want to dig for victory, grow their own food, have their own self sufficiency. And of course, we're all at home. And anyone lucky enough to have space to grow food is digging it over and, and, and planting vegetables. Um, unfortunately, of course, it's yet another a 
acute demonstration of the social inequalities that uh, exist within our country and others, of course, uh, where you know a certain sector of the population have access to this kind of well, land, essentially, and uh, and the vast majority, of course, don't. Um, and so, I, as I say, I think there are some some real positives: valuation of food, a resurrection of traditional attitudes to food, a reliance on homegrown vegetables. These are all good things, and I think there is a dark flip side as well. And we cannot expect this crisis to produce just one or or the other. At the beginning, I asked you what keeps you awake at night in terms of food waste. What about the opposite, looking to the future? You've mentioned a lot of positives, but what are you looking forward to? This year was meant to be a big year in terms of biodiversity. It's why the podcast is happening. It's what the Coasters Forum is looking at. Obviously, a lot of events are cancelled. But when you look forward to the future, corona and quarantine aside, what are you looking forward to? What do you think the changes we might be seeing will be? Well, I'm afraid that when I do look in the future, it is with the darkest hue of pessimism. I don't see uh, the trends that I want to see. I see the opposite. I see an acceleration of species extinction, deforestation, global warming, um, soil erosion, water extraction. All of these things are continuing and in some cases accelerating in the wrong direction still. That said, I believe that alongside the many very nasty tipping points that we seem to be on the edge of, we may also be on a social tipping point. And that social tipping point is the emergence of a global consciousness and a a consciousness of humans as a single species and one that needs to take global decisions to tackle global problems, climate change, deforestation, species extinction being foremost among them, not the only ones by any means. We also need global consciousness on tax regimes and and other social justice issues. Um, And I feel like that possible emergence, the emergence of humanity as a single superorganism is around the corner. There are so many initiatives. And if we can scale this mountain and create the kind of decision-making processes, the democracy earth type approaches to global problems, then we can bypass the tragedy of the commons that the nation states have locked us into for the last several decades. We need to emerge from the era of nation state and corporation level thinking and come together in the interests of our shared future on earth and the interests of all the other creatures that that share this planet with us. And I believe that although there are only the beginnings of such a movement right now, is the possible pathway for for humanity. There we go. That is a galvanising, rousing uh, and very hopeful place to end. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.